got notes? We're good to go? All right. So, Lord, we thank you for this night. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming in power. And, Lord, speaking through me everything that needs to be said. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit moving upon every one of us to give us a good, fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives even now. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is helping us to lock into what you're saying, to give you our best ear, our full attention, our focus, that the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us understand the Bible and brings glory to Jesus. And Lord, I thank you by the Spirit of God, help us, Lord, to be able to see and hear and understand the word tonight and get everything out of this that we need to. And I thank you for speaking through me everything that needs to be said. The Bible says it will not return void, but go forth and accomplish that which you sent it for to do. And Lord, we bind anything of the enemy that would try to hinder this word in any way from getting what it's supposed to accomplish and what it's supposed to. That is bound in Jesus' name and will go from us now. And I thank you, Lord, for the winds of your spirit carrying this out among the nations. It will get where it's supposed to accomplish what it's supposed to. And everything will be accomplished in and through this time that your will to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we get into the word tonight, I'm going to get into the notes here shortly, but we're at a fe the Feast of Trumpets, and this is extremely complicated if I get into it, so I'm just going to say it in passing and not get into it, but Israel calls it Rosh Hashanah, and it's not as far as the Bible goes. That's the head of the year. It's not really the new year. The new year is at, at Passover in the spring. Okay, so this is the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah. And the Feast of Trumpets is in God's calendar. Jesus died on Passover, was in the tomb during unleavened bread, raised on first fruits. Then the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost, and I'm talking about the day of. So Jesus died on Passover day, was resurrected on the day of first fruits, and the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost, called Shavuot in Hebrew. So those feasts have been fulfilled. The next feast on God's calendar is the Feast of Trumpets, which has to do with the rapture of the remnant bride and then you have the day of atonement which is the seven-year tribulation time which is going to be very negative and focused on the nation of israel primarily and then you're going to have tabernacles where jesus comes to to the earth physically to reign for a thousand years and so this is god's prophetic timeline the spring feast were fulfilled in jesus's first coming and the fall feast will be fulfilled in his second coming and so tonight as we uh, were blasting the shofar after worship and really praying over certain things, just keep in mind the power of the shofar blast. There's something about it that is so powerful. And the Bible shows us when God came down on Sinai and the shofar blasted, it, it has to do with the voice of God, a shaking. In fact, in John, when, uh, or Revelation rather, John said that he heard the voice of the Lord like a shofar behind him. And so the Lord's voice is connected to the shofar, and it has to do with a shaking, it has to do with warfare, it has to do with the, the presence and power of God, and it's an awesome thing. And so uh, Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets, also is known as Judgment Day, and it begins 10 days of awe, which end on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And it's believed that this is a time that a lot of... So God is a judge, the Bible says in Daniel that uh, it seemed like you know satan was having his way until the ancient of days took his seat and pronounced judgment on behalf of the righteous and it's believed that during this window of time is a special time that god will pronounce judgment in favor of the righteous so i just would admonish people to to look at uh, what is it john chapter 18 i believe where it talks about the persistent widow wherever that was in the scriptures maybe luke 18 sorry but the persistent widow to read that and keep that in mind 
that God is the one that gives justice on behalf of the righteous. Amen? So these are just some things I wanted to say in passing, but we, we always do something special around the feast times tonight. We had a special time of, of blasting the shofar and praying over some things. But there is something powerful, and when Jesus comes, the Bible says he's coming as a thief in the night, but it will be a shofar blast. Okay, and that's in 1 Corinthians. It talked about the shout of the archangel and the trump of God, the last trump. It was the shofar blast. And it talked about the dead in Christ rising and those which are alive and remain will be transformed. So there is going to be a shofar blast at the rapture. And it's going to be quick. You're not going to have time to get things right. You're either going to live like the Lord's coming tomorrow or you're just not going to be ready when he does come. Amen. So... The rapture is for those that really truly walk with the Lord and I do not personally believe it's my opinion that everybody that goes to church or calls themselves a Christian is going to be raptured. I do not believe that at all and I don't think I ever have. I believe it's for those that have made themselves ready. It's the remnant bride that's without spot or blemish that is looking for their bridegroom, okay? So those are some things I wanted to say about the feast time that we're looking at tonight. Um, but I want to get into something I feel like that the Lord wanted me to share and it's a bit of a warning but it's also uh, just in some ways an encouragement but in other ways a strong warning for those that have been with River of Life for a while and I believe that when Joshua let me say it this way when Joshua led Israel into the promised land if you remember the story Israel had to wander for 40 years. Okay, the next generation, it was time for them to go into the promised land. And God told Joshua, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. But he told him, you haven't gone this way before. If you go back and read the story, you haven't gone this way before. And so it was a new day and there was going to be new challenges, new battlegrounds. Israel had up to that point never faced a Jericho. You understand? They had never faced certain things that they were going to have to face in that promised land. And it was going to be a new day with new battlegrounds. And I feel like the Lord is saying the river of life, and this is the type of sermon that can be an encouragement, I think, to anybody listening to it. So we'll put this public. But I want river of life to understand that I really feel like this is a warning for you specifically. Because let me say this in a loving way, but I've known people down through the years of ministry that I would have never thought their life would have turned out like it did. Some of them are no longer with the Lord. Others are out of church. Others, others have, um, they, they cause problems, not only for us, but other churches, and turn, turned out being used of the devil, and very divisive, etc. And it was really sad to see that, you know. But listen, this is a warning of some things to coming. Whenever God starts moving in a new way, how many knows new levels, new devils? It's a good saying because I believe there's some truth to it. Because there were devils in that promised land that they didn't face in the wilderness. You understand? When they got in there, they started facing things. And they did have some battles in the wilderness. Like David had to be prepared. He had to face the lion. He had to face the bear. And then that prepared him to face the Goliath. But the Goliath was a different battle. So David had to deal with the lion and the bear a certain way. But he had to deal with Goliath. You understand, it was a different battleground, a different enemy. And so whenever we're moving into this new thing that God has for us, and I feel it so strongly, it's coming close. 
And we start moving into a new season, a new place, new faces, and a fresh move of God. And God really starts opening up what he said he's going to do. He's going to do it when he starts doing that. You have to understand that there's going to be things that we're going to face in that time that we haven't faced before. But we have faced our lion and our bear, and we've been through some horrible things, and some battlegrounds, all of us have, that has prepared us for that time. So it's not like we're not prepared. It's just that there, we need to be ready for the fact that it's going to be different. You haven't gone that way before. You're going to face some things you haven't faced before. It's going to look different than what you're used to. And so I'm going to be, I'm going to be coming through uh, in this sermon, rather, I'm going to be coming at you in a way of preparation and try to show you some things I feel the Holy Spirit is saying that you need to know and you need to be ready for. In Matthew 22, verse 23, this is, you know, Jesus had to deal with the religious people. Jesus did not have too many problems with the heathen. Most of them seemed to like him. The problems Jesus had was always with religious people. The battleground was primarily with religious leaders. People that knew the, listen, these people, the Sadducees and Pharisees, etc., they knew the Bible inside and out. They had a lot of it memorized. It wasn't for a lack of knowledge of the word. It was the fact that they really, even though they were religious, they did not know the Lord and they didn't even recognize the Messiah when he's looking at them right in their face. You can be religious and you can know the Bible and still miss the Lord and miss a move of God and even persecute the move of God and want to kill the move of God, just like the Sadducees and Pharisees. And that was one thing John Davis has always said to me, and he's always been surprised that when he comes here, the lack of the religious spirit, I've been able to keep that out. But I'm going to tell you, that is a battleground that's coming. So let me, just, let me just read this. So Jesus had to deal with these Sadducees. Now the Sadducees specifically were the descendants of Aaron. And so these were the priesthood. The Pharisees were different. They were made up of different tribes of Israel, but they were people that devoted themselves to the study of the word. And so they became people that were a part of the Sanhedrin and a part of the religious leaders. But the Sadducees specifically were the descendants of Aaron. And they, for whatever reason, believed that there was no resurrection. Now, how many knows that is just wrong? So there's religious people out there that know the Bible, but they don't believe that God heals today. They don't believe in a lot of different things. They don't believe in tongues or whatever. At the end of the day, they're just wrong. And so when the Sadducees came to Jesus with their wrong doctrine, they wanted to trick him with a question. How many knows it's a bad idea to try to trick Jesus with a question? As they ended up looking really stupid in front of everybody. So verse 24, they asked Jesus, Teacher, Moses said if a man dies having no children, his brother, the next of kin, shall marry his wife. And that's under the law. And okay, so anyway, and his brother was to go into that woman and raise up children for his brother. Now... They tried to trick him here. They say, now there were seven brothers with us. And the first married and died, had no children, left his wife to his brother. And then the second, then the third, all the way down to the seventh, last of all, the woman died. And, the, and so they're trying to trick him here because they don't think there's a resurrection. 
So he said, in the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will she be? For they had married, all of them had married her at one point. But Jesus answered and said to them, here we are. You ready? In front of everybody, Jesus confronted the religious leaders in front of everybody. And this is what he says to them. You are wrong. And he said, because, and I'm paraphrasing, you don't know the Bible like you think you do. And number two, you do not know the power of God. How humiliating that statement would have been to religious leaders in front of everybody. They went there really cocky, thinking they had some trick question that they were going to make Jesus look stupid publicly. But Jesus turns it around on them and says, look, you're wrong. You're the ones that don't know the Bible, and you're the ones that don't know the power of God. And then he goes on to explain himself, and he says, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor given in marriage, but are like the angels of heaven, because you have a glorified body. But in regarding the resurrection of the dead, Jesus said, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. So see, people read the Bible, but they don't understand certain things. You know, I'm not going to dwell on, on this very long to make too much of a point. But like, for example, the Holy Spirit moves in. Sometimes people fall under the power of, and then someone says, well, where is that in the Bible? Are you kidding me? There's, a, there's so many different places that is in the Bible. How did you not see that in the Bible? Let's just pick one. How about whenever all the Roman soldiers came to arrest Jesus and they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, and he says, I am he, and they all fell backward. How about that one? So it's all through the word. They just don't like it. You see? So I'm telling you guys, I'm trying to warn you that I've already counted the cost and I don't care what religious people think, but I'm just warning you that there's some battlegrounds coming that you're not used to. You've been in here where God moves and we have wonderful speakers in, we have wonderful people come in, people join us that, that are of precious like faith and they understand the word and they understand the power of God. But not everybody's like that. And when it starts really going outside of that and we start dealing with more people new faces and all this i'm just telling you that there's a religious spirit out there that you need to be ready for that attack and so what does a religious spirit look like well you i just read to you a story of where jesus dealt with a religious spirit jesus dealing with a religious spirit the religious spirit wanted to publicly humiliate him it wanted to give him some goofy trick question to make him look stupid it wanted to debate him but the problem is is that jesus was smarter than them you see and he knew the word he knew the power of god and by the grace of the holy spirit jesus answered them with wisdom and turned it back around on them but see jesus had to deal with this sort of thing they wanted here's a religious spirit a religious spirit wants to debate they all listen to me please hear these words it wants to debate and fight Years ago, I quit trying to argue with people. I figured out a long time ago when I witnessed if somebody doesn't want to hear the truth, then turn around and go to somebody that does want to hear the truth. If they want to go to hell, that's their problem. I'm not going to fight with them. And the same thing with religious people. There's religious people out there. They want to bait you into some type of a fight, some type of a debate, some type of argument by some, in some 
uh, belief that they have, at the end of the day, you're probably never really going to win the argument. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. I guarantee you that when the Sadducees left that day, they still did not believe in the resurrection. Jesus didn't really accomplish anything with the Sadducees. You understand? He just simply answered their question and made them look stupid. But Jesus turned away from the Sadducees and he went to the people that would receive his ministry. And he ministered to them. And he saw the sick healed. He saw people delivered in the power of God. You don't read about that happening in the Sadducees and Pharisees very much, do you? But you, where do you hear about it in the scriptures? Among those that were humble and open to the ministry of the Lord. You see? And then we see in the scripture also, Paul said, if you go to a certain place, and, or Jesus said, whether you go to a certain place and they don't receive you, just shake the dust off your garments and go somewhere else. Okay? And then, of course, we saw the Apostle Paul actually do that. He went to minister somewhere, and they didn't receive him, and they shook the dust off, and they left and went somewhere else. So the religious spirit is all about wanting to debate. I encourage you to spot it and don't do it. When they try to suck you into their arguments, just let them fight among themselves but just walk away from it. It's a waste of time. If Jesus Christ could not convince the Pharisees there is a resurrection, I promise you, you're not going to convince the religious of anything. They already believe what they believe, and they're not going to be convinced otherwise. Also, fault finding. Here's another thing about the religious spirit. Very fault finding and very critical. Let me say those words again. Please hear them. Fault finding and critical these people will instead of receiving what god has for them they come into a service and instead of, here's god is moving really powerfully in the place god's touching people and they just sit there and they're all they can do is just look around and try to find some type of fault and criticize they can't receive what god has for them because they're so full of pride that they can't help but just sit around and judge and criticize everything going on. I'm telling you, there's a battleground coming. The second thing about, a, or the third thing about a religious spirit is unrighteous judgment. These people are very judgmental. A religious spirit causes people to be a whitewashed tomb full of dead men's bones. They themselves have all kinds of stuff in their past and even in their little religious present. But yet they have no problem feeling very religiously superior to everybody else and they want to judge and tear down other people. They literally are the ones Jesus said about them. Uh, or he said in scripture, do not judge for the same measure you judge, it'll be judged back to you. These people actually do that. They feel in their spiritual pride that they're superior to you and they look down and judge you and they will find a way to judge you. Which leads me to these points. People with the religious spirit are very prideful. They're very jealous. John wrote about in, in his epistle, he said that the reason the Pharisees were angry and hated Jesus and wanted to murder him was because they were jealous of him. The religious spirit will cause people to oppose the move of God. They want to kill the move of God. Religious, a person with a religious spirit 
hates the move of God. They hate freedom. They hate worship. They don't like free worship or people are, are singing and shouting and dancing and being free. They don't like freedom in worship. They don't like the freedom of the gifts of the Spirit. They don't like tongues. They don't like the manifestations of the Holy Spirit where people fall, shake, cry, laugh, whatever. They can't stand it. Think about what I'm saying. Something inside of them hates the move of the Holy Spirit. Think about what I'm saying. And really think about that phrase. Something in them hates the move of God and wants to kill it. That's what Jesus dealt with. There was something in those Pharisees and Sadducees that hated the move of God. They hated the fact that Lazarus was raised from the dead. They hated that Jesus was healing people on the Sabbath. They couldn't stand what he was doing. And they hated him enough they wanted that man dead. In the same way, I'm telling you, this religious spirit hates the move of God. And if, if, if they can get away with it, they'll kill the move of God. And they want to destroy the church. And they want to destroy the leadership. They want to take it down. I'm just telling you. If they can find some way to spread some type of slander, start some type of rumor, make some type of a video or some type of a claim against the leader, against the church, and they're trying the same thing. They don't realize it's a spirit of murder, but it is. They hate them, and they want to kill that thing. That's a religious spirit. And then also, they are very divisive. A religious spirit is always wanting to divide. It hates that unity among the brethren. And so as we go into this next move of God that God has for River of Life, we have faced our lion, we've faced our bear, and I can, there's things I could say that I can't because it's being recorded, but we've gone through some stuff, let me tell you. But it's, there's going to be some battlegrounds in the future. And so what do you see with, when you're dealing with the religious spirit? Number one, there's an opposition to Scripture. So those of you that are taking notes, these are some things you probably need to jot down. Number one, there's an opposition to the Scriptures. Now let me explain that. Because the religious spirit makes these people that have a religious spirit, I'm telling you, you have not seen pride until you've seen them. They honestly feel that they, they know that Bible so well, but yet they don't know it. They don't know it at anywhere close to the level of what they think they know it. They only know it in part, and they know it in a very twisted way of a religious spirit. See, they will come across those so knowledgeable of the word, and they, they are students of the word, and, and they want to paint people that, that see the power of God. You know, let's say that there was different people coming in today that got hit by the power of God and, and were touched and all that. They want to paint them as being uneducated. Well, if they really knew the word, they wouldn't be doing that. You see how twisted that is? It's like, well, actually, if you really knew the word, you'd be wanting to see that. But see, they're twisting it. They don't know the word. That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees or the Sadducees. They came to him and said, well, what about this, that, and the other? And Jesus said, you don't know the word. You think you know the word, but you don't know the word. And let me tell you some things about the scriptures. Number one, I think about these people that have a problem with certain things. See, if the Apostle Paul, I've given this example so many times, if the Apostle Paul somehow showed up today and was going to give his testimony in most churches, 
they would run him out. Yet they sit there and they'll read his epistles. And if you listen to him talk about the great apostle Paul, it's like they adore the guy. But if Paul was to show up today in most churches and just give his testimony, I was riding on my donkey down the road to Damascus. I saw a bright light. I was thrown to the ground. The people that were with me freaked out. They all ran away. And I was blinded for three days. Think about what I'm saying. Then I had to be taken by the hand because God wanted me to go to Ananias' house. He lays hands and prays over me. Scales, mind you, scales fall from my eyes. I can see now. God healed me from being blind, and I spoke in tongues. They would tar and feather that man and run him out of town. Yet, they talk about him that they love the great apostle Paul. No, they don't. If he was here today, they would hate that man. And they, they, would write they would write articles and make YouTube videos mocking him, ridiculing his story and calling him a false teacher and a false prophet. Yes, they would. Based on his testimony. And I could go on and you know I'm telling the truth. It's a religious spirit. When a religious spirit comes, the truth becomes a lie. A lie becomes the truth. They're twisted. So they don't know the word like they think they do. Number two, they definitely do not know the power of God. So they're just like modern-day Sadducees, aren't they? They don't know the word. They should. You would think that the sons of Aaron, those that study the Bible all day, that's what they do. They sit around studying the Bible and talking about the Bible, yet Jesus said about them, you don't know the Bible. Think about that. And they don't know the power of God. They're critical of the move of the Holy Spirit, but they themselves have never experienced the power of God and they don't know the power of God. And I, and I personally wonder, well, are they, is some of this just a jealousy that they're not seeing that in their ministry so therefore they persecute it? Because that's what the Pharisees did to Jesus out of jealousy. But they... Out of their pride, they get into false doctrines themselves and they start teaching things that the gifts and the power of God died with the early church. That is a false doctrine and a heresy. And it's, it's very sad because they're going to stand on judgment day and all the people that could have and should have been delivered from things and healed and their lives could have been totally transformed by the power of God. They could have saw their children's lives transformed by the power of God. But because of their arrogance and their false doctrine, there's going to be a lot of people that never got their breakthrough. And what concerns me is Matthew, when Jesus said this, in the book of Matthew, you can read it. It says, if you speak against the Holy Spirit, you won't be forgiven. And these people... I, I've heard them mock and blaspheme things. I'm sitting there cringing, thinking to myself, man, you're not very smart to say that. But they're speaking against the Spirit of God and the move of God and the things of the Spirit. They're speaking against the gifts of the Spirit, mocking the things of the Spirit. That's flirting with the blasphemy of the Spirit. And you know how they get around that? They change the Scriptures. Now, Jesus said specifically, if you speak against the Spirit, you won't be forgiven. He made it pretty clear. 
Have y'all read that? You may know what I'm talking about. It's not like he minced words. Okay, he was referring to the blasphemy of the Spirit, obviously. But the way they get around that is they change the blasphemy of the Spirit now into not accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. They twist the whole thing around because they're speaking against the Holy Spirit, so that can't be it. So it must be that you just never got saved. It's twisted. See, it's even confusing. How many just got confused? Yeah, it's because it's a twisting of a religious spirit. I'm sitting there listening to him thinking, you have no idea what you're talking about. But see, it's a religious spirit that twists these doctrines. How many knows when the demonic gets involved, there's confusion? And the Bible warns us in the latter days that there would be doctrines of demons and teachings of demons. And anything that's trying to teach people doctrines that's going to teach things like there's no healing for today, there's no deliverance for today, there's no baptism of the Holy Spirit for today, the gifts are not for today. Man, that's a false doctrine, and that's doctrines of demons. It's not the only doctrines of demons, but it certainly is some of that. And there's also, I'm seeing, unfortunately, a move in opposition even to the second coming. There were people years ago that really believed in the, uh, the catching away of the remnant bride. I don't know how in the world they explain away the scriptures that specifically clearly say that the Lord's going to have a shofar blast and there's going to be a catching away in the twinkling of an eye. I mean, it says those words clearly. Even a child could read it and understand it, but somehow they don't believe in that anymore, you see. And there's just something strange. There's been strange religious doctrinal spirits that have infiltrated and brought a lot of confusion and twisting. And y'all need to be ready. So there's two things that I see by the Holy Spirit. The Lord's warning me to be ready. So I'm preparing my heart. All I can do, River of Life, is warn people. But let me give you this. And I, years ago, let me say it the right way. Years ago, there were times that God would give me a warning and I would preach it. And everybody sat there and nodded and they got it. And then time passed and it came up. It was like some type of a warning uh, of some type of spiritual attack. And it came up just like God said it would. I mean, it was the sermon I preached. And they still fell for it and were used of the devil. I couldn't believe it. I thought God even forewarned you. And you still fell for it. So be humble. Because when this stuff comes, there's a lot of delusional, deceptive demonic activity that tries to overtake people's thinking and affect them so the two things that i feel the lord is warning number one is you remember me warning you about divisive people be careful because there are people out there that have no problem speaking against whether it be the pastor or or some type of elder or a youth pastor or it may just be your brother, sister, in Christ in the church. But they want to come to you and they want to talk trash about them to you. And then they want to get a little group together and it's bringing division in the church. And Satan does this because he knows a kingdom divided cannot stand. And he knows that when the church is united, 
that they are a powerful force to be reckoned with. So he's got to destabilize that church and he's got to bring division and tear it all to pieces. So the way he does that is he's, he gets these little gossips and they got big mouths and they go through and they start trying to trash talk people to each other and divide everybody. You can listen to what I'm saying and I, I'm trying to say this the right way, but please hear me. You cannot be overly nice about that. You're going to have to be firm about it. And I'll give you a true story of something that happened to me a lot, not that long ago because it was when the Asbury Revival broke out and some guy wanted to send me something. I knew him for years gone by, but he wanted to send me something trash talking the revival and trash talking the leadership there. And I just messaged him back in a nice way and said, I'd, I'd leave me out of this gossip. I don't want to hear it. Here we go. I ticked him off. So, oh, brother, that's not what I'm doing. So that, now I'm starting to get mad. I said, brother, that's exactly what you're doing. Quit it. If you have a problem with them, go talk to the leadership there. Leave me out of it. What do I have to do with anything? I have nothing to do. I love the revival there, but I, I didn't have anything. To, why are you telling me this? Does anybody, can anybody tell me why was this man telling me this information? Just to gossip just to sow division among God's people had no it was not going to fix one problem all it was intended to do was cause problems let me tell you and when people come to you and they want to trash talk somebody else please grab them by the hand and take them to that person if somebody comes to me and says you know Ben over there I can't believe him I say well we're going to go talk to Ben and I'm going to take them to you. And I'm going to say, well, let's work it out, guys. You know? But nine times out of ten, they don't want to do that. And then the next thing I would say is if they, they're not interested in working out with Ben, I'm going to tell them to their face, leave me alone. Don't come to me talking trash to Ben again. If you've got a problem with Ben, you go talk to Ben. Don't do that again. Leave me out of it. And if you'll have that same attitude, it'll kill what the devil's trying to do. Don't be overly nice about this. They need to be rebuked. Amen? All right. And the second thing I'm seeing is the religious Sadducees coming. These people think they know the Bible. Think about the arrogance that the Sadducees must have walked in, that they're going to go to the Son of God. They're going to go to somebody that has seen the dead raised. They're going to go to somebody that, that has been used so powerful, signs and wonders, and they're going to publicly try to humiliate him and trick him with a question. The arrogance of these people. But they think they know the Bible, but they really don't. They don't know the power of God. They don't really know the scriptures. But they're, they have a religious spirit about them. I'm telling you, be ready, river of life, because I see two attacks on the horizon. I don't, I don't feel like it's here. I feel like it's coming. And I feel like when there's a new place and new, new faces... And there's, it's a new day, a new season. I feel like when we get there, there's two different groups of people the devil wants to use. It's the gossips that sow division, and it's the religious. Y'all remember that? Because I'm not going to put up with them. But I can't, you know, each individual person is going to have to deal with it when it comes your way, you know. I'm not putting up with it, but... Each person has to make up in their mind they're not going to put up with it either. You have to be careful because a religious person can really hinder you 
and, and still some things that God's done for you. You know, I think about people that God's powerfully touched in revival and then they get around a religious spirit. I'll give you an example of a, a friend of mine. And I, I love this brother actually. In years, I mean years ago when I was a teenager, I was a part of a group and I played the guitar back then and he was a part of another group and played drums and he was really talented. I mean, he was, he was an amazing musician and he, he's a good friend. I really, really care about him. And back then though, I knew that he didn't know the Lord and we weren't super close, but we did talk and we were friends. Anyway, we kind of lost touch and he ended up uh, going into a field that he was really interested in back then with aviation and all that. But come to find out years later through Facebook, he was telling me that he had found Jesus. And I thought, man, that's so awesome. And so he calls me and we're talking about it. He's telling me his testimony. He had been raised Baptist and he knew about the Lord but never really knew the Lord. And, and anyway, it was really awesome how he came to know Christ. But I was so saddened because at some point he had gotten mixed up with these religious spirit type people. And even though I believe he's saved and all that and he's going to heaven, but it's sad because all of his view of things has now been so skewed where he would, he would unfortunately be very critical of a move of God. And it's because he got, he got to listening to the wrong people. And he got that in it. You know, Jesus said this. He said, be careful about the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven of the Pharisees is the teaching of the Pharisees. Once that leaven, let me ask this question. Once leaven gets in dough, can you get it back out? Once somebody gets leavened with a religious spirit's teaching, it is very difficult to ever get them back. Because there's an element of pride in that. And there's something that happens to them they change their personality changes and they become very critical and so what a religious spirit does both of these groups here are divisive troublemakers and religious people what it does is it causes people to be lifted up with pride and once pride comes in proverbs 6 16 through 19 right in there the seven things that god hates it's rooted in pride. See, they have haughty eyes because they look with judgment and criticism of others. They have a haughty countenance because they're arrogant and they have that smirk on their face, pride. They have hands that shed innocent blood because they want to kill and destroy other people that they don't like and they're willing to do it. I mean, they'll write things, they'll type things, they'll make videos, they'll do whatever they can to kill what they don't like i mean physically they may not slit their throat but they're still trying to do it to their destiny in their calling their feet run into evil swift to run into evil run into mischief because they want to go with their feet and go and do these things for the devil's kingdom and the whole time that they're serving the devil's kingdom and purposes they really believe that they're being used of god that's the great deception think about paul Thank God that God saved him, but he was one of these people. The Apostle Paul, the whole time that he's going to Christians and putting them in prison and overseeing the murder of Stephen, the whole time he's doing all this, he thinks he's being used of God. 
The entire time, the Pharisees and Sadducees are opposing Jesus, and they end up seeing him nailed to the cross. I mean, the entire time, they really believe that they're doing God's will and purpose. But the whole time, they're serving Satan's kingdom. That's the great deception of, of people that are divisive, that are gossips and slanderers and malicious. They believe many times that they're right and that they're doing what God wants them to do because they disagree with something, so they're going to tear it down. And also with the religious, they really believe that what they're coming up against, God is against, and that they're serving God by doing what they're doing. But the entire time, they're serving Satan, and they're being used of demons. Great deception. And they're going to be judged one day for him. So what we need today is Book of Acts Christianity. But I assure you, there's a price to pay, River of Life. We're about to go into an area where we could, it could be said, River of Life, you haven't gone this way before. This is new territory. There's new levels. There's going to be new devils. There's going to be things that you haven't had to face. But I'm telling you, be careful because the gossips are there and the religious Sadducees are there and they don't understand the things of God. And God's just going to have to help us. He's going to have to kind of clear them out of the way. But at the end of the day, I've already made up my mind about this. I've already counted the cost. Remember, Jesus said, count the cost. I go into this knowing full well that there may be some very malicious slander about me, some, some things said that's just not true or trying to cause all kinds of things. I've already made up my mind. I'm not going to even care about that. At the end of the day, all that's going to matter is did we see the soul saved we were called to see saved did we see god's will done in the lives of people did we see disciples made did, did we see people healed and delivered at the end of the day that's all that's really going to matter when we stand before the lord jesus christ sadly uh, uh, some of these people i'm talking about that are just religious many of them won't even be in heaven sadly we're going to be standing there giving an account for our lives. Do we want to say, the Lord look at us and say, I really wanted to move through you and I had things to do, but because of the persecution that came up against you, you shied away from it and you went a different direction and you just got out of it and you didn't want to deal with the persecution. Or is the Lord going to look at you and I and say, well done, you did what I called you to do. The devil threw all kinds of stuff at you, but you didn't quit. And you saw the people saved you were called to see saved. And you fulfilled what I called you to do. That's what's going to matter on Judgment Day. So what we need today is Book of Acts Christianity. We need a supernatural harvest of souls. We need to see the healings and miracles. We need to see the deliverances. We need people baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we need the gifts in operation. Amen? And I know that you know this, but people out there are looking for something real. When they go into dead, dry religion, and it's just, it's a boring service. I mean, they're trying to flower it up now with it looking like a light show and all that. And they're trying to flower it up. When well, you're just sitting through a dead, dry thing and, and a dead service with no power, that's never really going to make a difference. But if people come in, and even if it's not a real fancy decor, but they come in and all of a sudden they're hit by the power of God. They feel God surge through them. They, they, they encounter the living Christ. 
And I mean, they're healed of something or God sets them free and, and he touches them in a powerful way. And maybe they fall out and they can't even get off the floor for a long time. And they, I had one lady tell me that I've never in my life, you know, and, and I was trying not to laugh because she looked all, you know, or she was like overwhelmed. Her hair was all messed up from laying out, you know, but I, I was like, praise God. But she, she will never forget that. She'll never forget the presence of God because she had been religious and going to religious, a religious church for many, many years and stumble, stumbled into an encounter with the power of God, you know. But when people experience the power of God, they'll never be the same. God will move mightily in their lives and many of them that would have never accepted kind of church as usual, religious type of things, they can't stand it. But once they really encounter the Lord, man, they'll serve him their whole life. They'll give everything for him. You see, Steve Hill always told me, and I close with this, where Steve always said, people need a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. I think about what I'm saying because he really believed this, and I think that's why God used him the way God used him. He said, people don't just need religion or to hear about something. He said, they need an encounter with Jesus Christ for themselves on a personal level and he said if they ever meet the Lord and they really encounter him and his power he said they will never be the same after that and that's what people need they don't need religion they need the power of God so Lord I thank you for your word tonight I thank you Lord for hearing and answering the prayers over this service and Lord as we close out the recordings and all that but Lord I thank you I thank you for your word that you get this in us Lord help us to be ready that we're not going to put up with gossips and we're not going to put up with religious people. We know what we believe and we know how you've touched our lives and we have testimonies. And let me say this as well while I'm praying and hopefully I can still catch this part on the recording. But before I close this out completely, I want to say this. You know, to maybe a religious person that doesn't believe in this, that or the other, you know, I would enjoy watching this, them trying to convince my daughter that God doesn't move today. I'm serious. I would like to sit back like a fly on the wall and just watch the conversation because I can just hear Brianna because I know her really well. Or say, well, the problem is, is that God healed me. The problem is, is I've seen people delivered. I've been delivered of stuff and I've seen people delivered of stuff. You see, and they say, well, tongue's not for today. How would that go? How well would that go? And so, I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like the Sadducees. I mean, how, how stupid. I, to not believe in the resurrection, it's like, are you kidding me? But they, they were willing to die on that hill, man. They, they were going to plant their flag on that hill and die on that hill that they just do not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And these religious people are like that. But see, once you've encountered something for yourself because God has healed me, God has delivered me from things and I've seen him do it to countless others. Well, God's baptized me in the Holy Spirit. I've seen him do it to others. That right there, your testimony has so much power that flies in the face of that religious spirit. But Lord, I thank you. Let everything be accomplished. The outworking of this that you will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.